What is up, listeners? Welcome to Ringmasters Podcast. I am host Grant Lafave, and with me is Jameson Galloway, and we have a special guest tonight. We have the professional Sean Lathrop. Sean, how you doing? Uh, it's rating is all to you guys, and thanks for having me on the program. Hey, it's no problem, man. So, tell us a little bit about what you do. You you have your own podcast, Wrestle 8-Bit Wrestling Podcast, and you also do commentating for um, a couple different organizations. Is that correct? Yes, I, as you mentioned, 8-Bit Wrestling Podcast. Technically, that show doesn't start for a while, but I've been podcasting myself for about three and a half years. Talk to, honestly, so many awesome talents. Uh, my personal hero growing up, Dime Dallas Page. Uh, I talked to Vader this year alone. I've talked to... Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, Jeff Jarrett, Magnus, and Santino Morella. And um, outside of the whole podcast stuff, I'm the commentator for two organizations, the professional Sean Lathrop for Imperial Wrestling Entertainment and just regular with Sean Lathrop for Michigan Wrestling Organization. They're in Houghton Lake and Flint, respectively. And uh, right now I'm trying, hopefully, being able to join uh, Price of Glory in Coldwater, Michigan, which is Dan Severn's promotion down there. He's starting that back up, so I'm super excited if I can get part of that. Wow, what was DDP like? DDP is what you'd expect, really. <laughs> Anytime you see him like on the WWE Network or interview him, he is so brash, he doesn't really care. And even though I've had three conversations with him, he's uh, one of my friends, he actually has muscular dystrophy, and he has met him and done some DDP yoga with him. I've had the chance to meet him, talk to him, every time I'm starstruck. It's sad. I would be too. He's a star. Yeah, a mega star. And like I said, it's it's not like uh, when I talked to Vader or Buff Bagwell or Shane Douglas, those guys were you know, just regular Joe Schmoes to me because I wasn't a big of fans of them. But no matter what, I think we're all fanboys at the end of the day. Of course. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So um, who, you said Diamond Dallas Page, huge fan. So... Mm-hmm. Who is it who sort of got you into wrestling, would you say? As far as like watching wrestling was actually my mother's boyfriend at the time. His name was Tim Smith years ago. Uh, this was back when I was seven, seven or eight years old. And I actually went to a wrestling show in Port Huron with him and my mom. And I was just freaking out, screaming, yeah! And I remember the main event was Harlem Heat against DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow. They lost DDP and Bigelow, and I was crying the whole way back home, man. Like, uh, that's just how wrestling is. It just gets you really hard when you're young, and then you just can't get out of it when you get older, like you two know for sure. Like, it just hooks you in and just does not let go, no matter how much you know about the business. Exactly. It's. uh, Someone brought this question up to me over, like, one of my Facebook, I'll tell the truth if you message me things. Is. Do I look at wrestling differently? And. I do. It rarely will I actually get those moments like, holy crap. Um, Example being the HBK Taker, WrestleMania 25. Uh, When I saw Nakamura and Zayn earlier this year, Kevin Owens winning the Universal title last week Mm -hmm. uh, to be more relevant. It's moments like that that just really take me back to when I was a kid again. But for the most part, it feels like I'm watching as an analyst, watching as how to get better, listening to uh, Matt Strike or Mauro Ronaldo. Okay, not Michael Cole, and how they can, <laughs> how they say, how they build the story, and how I can kind of learn from what they're doing. I was going to ask if you had a favorite announcer growing up in the wrestling business. This, this is going to be a weird one because everyone says Jim Ross. Jim Ross is everyone's favorite. Honestly, not a big Jim Ross guy. Really? Uh, Jim Ross was great at really calling the action, but he wasn't as good at telling the story. Matt Stryker, when he did 
Russell Kingdom, when he does Lucha Underground, when he was doing WWE CW, he knew every guy's backstory. One of my favorite things was that SummerSlam match between the Nexus and Team WWE. And he brought up R-Truth was K-Quick and was a hardcore champion back in the early millennia. It's like that kind of information to really bring to the table. That's something I want to do. Not only know all the moves and what they can do in the ring, but as well to be able to call back the information and build these characters and build these wrestlers even more so than what we just see on TV. Mm -hmm. To build up that context, to give people a reason to be invested. Exactly. And that's something Stryker's great at. Morrow's really good at. He's little crazier for me but I love listening to Morrow on Smackdown but I don't have as much connection with Morrow because A he showed up this year and B I kind of had Stryker more when I started wanting to learn more about being in the business versus being a fan now or what have you. Morrow's got a big future in the business I think he's going to be there a long time. Oh for sure. he's has he's been wrestling for not wrestling he's been doing it for a long time. I had to do some research on the guy, and he's been doing it since he's 16. MMA, boxing, pro wrestling. The guy's amazing. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So let's talk about your position as a commentator. This is something I've always been curious about because, you know, everyone loves to criticize the people on, on television, on Raw or SmackDown or whoever. But what goes into that position, like playing that role on the show? Um, really kind of depends on what the position is as well. Because I'm a commentator, but for IWE, I'm a... I'm breaking kayfabe. Uh, with IWE, I'm a heel color commentator. And for Mission Wrestling Organization, I'm a face tweener, a play-by-play. Uh, when it comes to really being the heel color, it's really just kind of think of new ways to insult the guys, it feels like, half the time. But the big thing regarding that is you need to really have a strong relationship with the guy you're working with. Uh, in IWE, it's me and Tommy Danger Z. Tommy's been commentating for pretty much since IWE started back in episode two. They had different guys episode one. And he's worked with uh, J.C. Christian, Pope Brandon Bronson from MWO, and then I showed up because, well, I improved myself for John Campo, the guy who uh, saw some spark in me. And really when Tommy and I just started working together, it just melded. And that's one of the big things. You need to have someone you really work with that really melds well with you. And just being able unlike a play-by-play you're more building the characters you're more trying to push certain storylines while the play-by-play what I'm doing with MWO is literally trying to call the action trying to hype it as much as possible uh, as I was saying with like Michael Cole and Mauro Ronaldo, you see what Cole does it's wow what a maneuver and you see Mauro Ronaldo is like mama mia and it's just a huge difference when you're doing the play-by-play Make every single moment count. Make it the biggest thing possible. I, I felt like I channeled my striker at a Summer Smash. It was A Wicked versus Stitches McVeigh. Check it out in the MWO network. And that was a hardcore match. And it was absolutely awesome. Just being able to see what they're doing and just make it, making it bigger. It's not just him hitting it with the baking sheets. It's, well, I hope you're ready for the concessions because here comes the cookies. And then, bam, baking sheet over the guy's head. He's now concussed or something. So that's really what I kind of enjoy. Building, story building. I mean, I tried out for being a wrestler. It sucked. <laughs> Have you ever taken a bump before? It hurts. Yeah, it's it's not fun. I know some guys say you get used to it, but I, I didn't care for it. 
So that was a great Morrow impression, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, with these promotions that you commentate for, if you had to pick a wrestler that you think could possibly make it in a bigger promotion or uh, to the WWE or something, who would that be? Uh, I hate you so much right now. Because I don't want to say one person, to be honest, because there's quite a few guys that are amazingly talented. Uh, the one person who is really showing some stripes right now is the Black Diamond Jack Price, former IWA champion, current MWO tag team champion. Uh, he's working in Clash, Ohio Mega Championship Wrestling, and other promotions I can't think of offhand. He's going to be a megastar wherever he goes. Uh, John Campbell, the creature feature, he just recently made two years in a row on the PWI's Top 500. Uh, last year, I think it was 472, this year 488. Um, but then you got guys like the Cody Leedy, it's 24 years old, and you'd think he's been wrestling all his life. Same with old school Rick Cartier, and same with um, A Wicked. A Wicked is 19, and he, he actually graduated high school this year, and you would not be able to tell that he's that young. He is that talented, and uh, honestly, pretty much any pick of the bunch will be an amazing talent wherever they go. But of course, we still have some other guys that... Our greener, Bam Grizzly, Roberto Cruz, Stitches McVeigh, some of the guys I've commentated for. And they've got tons of potential in the world. You can see it whenever they're in the ring. You can see it whenever they cut a promo. They just need a little more time. But once you see them three more years down the road, you're like, yeah, that guy's definitely going to be a star somewhere. But guys like Price, Leedy, John Campbell, A. Wicked, that's just because they're not in the right promotion to be mega stars. They're in Michigan, but as soon as someone else sees them, you'll be seeing them as massive stars. So, uh, so have you ever had a situation where you're a commentator, and it could be a good way or a bad way, something totally comes out of nowhere at you, and you just have to improvise even more so, and you're just like, what am I going to do? Have you ever had an instance like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, there was, a, again, going back to Summer Smash, the main event was John Campbell, the Cody Leedy, and J.J. Hughes for the heavyweight title. And they were doing, I just like calling it the Coconut Crunch, because thank you, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, when you take two guys' heads and just smash them together. And uh, Cody and JJ didn't protect fast enough, and JJ, Cody's head just busted wide open. Uh, Joey Mercury, kind of bloody situation. This is in the Richfield Church. This is not good for inside of a church, or typically a family show, too. And he's bleeding terribly. And honestly, when it happened, I didn't know what to do. I kind of just panicked because when you're commentating, it's not like you're calling a football game or a basketball game. More often than not, you don't know who who's a good Central Michigan talent. Cooper Rush. Mm-hmm. You don't know who Cooper Rush is personally. You don't see that guy every day. But I've seen Cody like every day. So it's not just a wrestler or an athlete getting injured. It's one of your good friends getting injured. You get to know these guys personally. Exactly. It's a lot harder to be able to keep yourself in control. John said it himself. And he's supposed to be like one of the locker room leaders in MWO. He had a hard time keeping himself together because it's one of his closest friends just getting busted open heavily. I I did the best I could. I mean, you could go back and watch the match at MWO Network again. And... You could probably see that I paused. I didn't know what to do for a little bit. But as soon as I got my bearings, I just tried building it. I tried pushing what just happened towards the match and trying to put over J.J. Hughes some more for this battle. And I think I did all right, but it it was a shocking moment and a learning experience for me as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. 
Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you talking with us about that. Um, stick around. We're going to talk some WWE now. Um, so it's safe to say we all follow that programming just a little bit. So um, just jump in whenever you got anything. Let's go over our very, very long uh, programming this week. This Did James, always, this feel long to you? Yeah. It the, felt like even more than usual. It, it does. And even now with Backlash coming up on Sunday, it's 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 a lot of program to watch. It is. But that's that's the world we live in. Yes. Um, so we start out raw with a video package, a uh, recap of the title match when Owens won the universal title. I'm still sort of in the afterglow about that. That's such a pleasant just feeling to know that it's not just going to go to Roman Reigns again or something. So really, really happy about that. Uh, and then raw started with Mick Foley confronting Stephanie McMahon about what exactly transpired during the title change. That was a good, uh, little segment there, which was earlier in the day as I like, they, they put that, um, promo up there but uh yeah stephanie and mick got some good chemistry i think they're uh, real good together and uh stephanie says she had no idea triple h was gonna come out there i believed her i think she did a good job conveying that yeah i think they did a good job just to the both of their respective abilities Uh, i think they both did a great job with that but i have a question for you sean what do you think of because you've seen wrestler like you know of course everyone knows who Mick Foley is but what do you think of general manager character Mick Foley because isn't the first time we've seen him so far it's still kind of a new thing I mean they started off having Stephanie and Mick kind of having that um, edge against each other as we saw Mick telling Stephanie no we're not suspending Seth we're going to put him in a match instead Honestly, I'm not a massive fan because I know where this is going to head towards because it's going to be, once again, Stephanie facing off with Mick, Mick getting fired, and then McMahon's go back to power. But as far as what I'm getting with Mick Foley, I'll keep him. Mick Foley has always been awesome, just period, existing, essentially. <laughs> of course, definitely. Just I love Mick Foley, but man, he this show, he got on my nerves, man. Really? Just, and I, at the end of every segment, like... We'd have this really awesome segment, and he'd just jump in and uh, just either make a match for no reason or something to that effect. We'll, we'll get to that yeah, with we'll the to that. with the last segment of the show, which was I thought was interesting. But, yeah, it was a great celebration for KO. A uh, lot of pyro, a lot of balloons. Mm-hmm. And uh, Seth Rollins quickly interrupted that celebration. Yeah, and this is the first Seth Rollins promo I've seen in a while where he actually has some urgency. You see, he normally just talks like he's trying to fill time, but you really you could see that passion there, or at least... Uh, I thought he had a really good justification for being there. It was one of those raw talking segments that I didn't feel went on for too long. I no, like it was it did good. His job and you, just it did fine. Like I thought, like uh, yeah, it, like I wasn't totally upset about what was going on at the beginning of the show. So no, sometimes when there's you know authority figures in the ring and then a few wrestlers, it gets a little chaotic. But they did a good job. And uh, Seth Rollins was suspended for about five seconds, and then Mick unsuspends him and gives him a championship match. So. Yes. Interesting. And he makes some matches for the show. He makes Owen Zane at the end of the night and then Jericho Rollins uh, towards the middle of the show. And uh, then Kevin Owens gets in his face because he's hugely pissed off uh, that he has to fight Sami Zayn again. That is probably my favorite rivalry on WWE television right now is those two. Great so. match. Another great match they had. We talked about last week how I didn't think it, it ended where it needed to, but it probably never will end. They're just going to fight once a month forever. Actually, I'm, a, I'm actually fine with that. Normally, I hate that type of thing, but... You got two guys who are as good and have as good a chemistry as those two do. Just watching them duke it out is great. See, so. one of the things I'm seeing there, because I was looking, watching that match, of course, they're always going to do a five-star match every single time. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, 
it's not like when they were feuding, when there was the buildup of the next big match, it was kind of thrown together because Kevin Owens has moved on, and as they said numerous times during the show, uh, I believe three times in commentary and once when Sammy cut his promo, Sammy's lost. He hasn't really won a match except against the Dudley Boys and Jinder Mahal. And now I expect him to beat the Universal Champion suddenly just because it's Kevin Owens. As much as I love that match, and as much as I love Sami Zayn, they're not they're doing nothing with Sami. Sami's become so lost in the WWE that it scares me. Yeah, especially after coming off such a good match at Battleground. Like, they ran away with the show, and now you got nothing for him. He beat Kevin Owens. Now Kevin Owens is the guy, and Sami Zayn is feuding with Jinder Mahal. Drafted higher than Kevin Owens, beat Kevin Owens, and... Kevin Owens is now your champion. It's confusing. I'm choosing to interpret it in a way where it's just part of Sami Zayn's never-ending underdog story, where this guy who he should totally be ahead of right now has somehow come out on top because he got it handed to him, and Sami Zayn's the harder work, et cetera, et cetera. How they love to talk about that. So, anyway, I hope they got any more plans for him in the future because he's a seriously talented dude. So up next, uh, we have Bailey versus Charlotte with some wonderful, wonderful Dana Brooke Charlotte work before and afterward. Charlotte gives her a literal clipboard and pen uh, to take notes on, and Dana Brooke even messes that up, uh, unintentionally gets in the way of the match, and Bailey pins Charlotte. It looked like Bailey was actually injured in this match. I don't know if she's just really well, does sells that really well, or she was actually injured, but... Yeah, I thought she blew the drop kick through the turnbuckle. Like, I was convinced that she had accidentally blown that, but then she started selling after that, and I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I haven't heard anything about her being injured, so I'm just going to assume she was selling. But She did pin the champion, though. Because we have to do that every time there's a title <laughs> contender. They have to pin the champion and then actually go after him. But I'm not sure how much of a huge fan I am of that trope. You know what I mean? Like, the champion getting pinned, so then you weaken their credibility, and then someone else finally beats them. It's... I don't know. After watching it happen to Wade Barrett for like three years, I'm not sure how much of that I can just tolerate. But It makes your champion a lot weaker. You don't see Stone Cold losing to The Rock and then beating The Rock at the pay-per-view or any of that sort. And it's, I guess, great that you have Bailey looking good at the end, but have Bailey win because of disqualification, no count-out. Have her win, uh, lose because of disqualification or count-out. Just this kind of setup isn't going to do anything for Charlotte in the end. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's just building to something we already know is coming anyway. So Bailey versus Sasha Banks? Hopefully. I'd love to see that again. <laughs> they had one of my favorite matches last year. And actually two of them. They were both really, really, really quality matches. So anyway, coming up next, uh, we have Bo Dallas over Kyle Roberts. Talk about burying the lead. We should have led with this. Bo Dallas gets a squash match on Raw. I'm honestly shocked to see him on television. Did you hear what happened? Um, rumored. I'm not sure. Sh- it's basically confirmed at this point. At the airport, he was removed from a plane for being belligerent. Solid. And intoxicated. Solid. So, and now he comes out on Raw and just crushes a guy with a modified crossroads. Uh, he's got this mean streak in him, so I'm not quite sure. You know what? I, I don't know how that worked out backstage, but I'm happy to see Bo Dallas on television. So. In a squash match, I just... I can't get over that. I wouldn't have called this to save my life. Like, I couldn't no. have predicted I'd even see him for weeks. But, I hey, I like Bo Dallas. Uh, I think he's a really talented guy, as long as they have something right for him to do. Uh, I'd love to see him uh, as a more active part of the show. Bo leave in Bo. I want that shirt, too. I want a shirt of that sign. Just emblazoned on the front of it. Second best shirt of the night. We'll get to that in the main event. Uh, Kevin Owens' new T-shirt, which I'm absolutely going to get. 
But if, if there's one thing about the Bo Dallas thing, and honestly, because you and I were talking a little bit about Raw earlier, is it's about you had four squash matches on Raw. Bo, Nia, Braun, and uh, who was Jinder Mahal losing to this week? It's it's become a consistent theme, the squash matches, and hopefully they go somewhere with those people, especially Braun, or it, it seems like Nia Jax is now going to be fighting Alicia Fox, which is somewhere, but they they don't even they don't always go anywhere. Is where's where's who's Braun gonna actually fight? He fought Sin Cara this week, which was I guess a step up from a squash match, but not very much. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I just like I don't I hope they don't do the Ryback thing and just have him squash a bunch of people and then squander that and just have him immediately jump into this program that he's either not ready for or they're not equipped to tell. So I'm just I sort of hope they go somewhere with Braun. I'm really happy where they went with Nia, especially. They had the jobber, and Alicia Fox had backstory, and then Alicia Fox confronted her backstage. One of the best unintentional flubs I think I've ever seen was Alicia Fox accidentally just braining her with what looked like some surgical tape or some kinesio tape, looking like she's going to apologize, and Nia just shoves her over. So I'm actually really excited to see the work that those two will put together because I'm a huge Alicia Fox fan, and I think she should definitely get more television time. So. Definitely. So, coming up next, uh, we have Rollins and Jericho. Smooth match. This is a fun match. This was a, like, it's just a good wrestling for the sake of wrestling match. I enjoyed it. Um, Y2J just keeps getting better, I feel like. Just, he's, he's uh, great in ring. I think DDP Yoga is, uh, is treating him well. <laughs> it's been helping him out. I love uh, him as a compliment to Owens. I love that we're, it's not just Jericho sort of drifting on the show now that he's done with AJ Styles or whatever, but I love that he's Owens' best friend, quote-unquote, best friend. There's not enough uh, quote marks in the world for that, but I like that those he's an accessory to Owens now and that they have a little bit of, uh, they have some great chemistry and they still have a little bit of character momentum going, so I'd love to see that keep up as they go on the other shows but Rollins going over here was the right decision he actually locked his hands in the pedigree which I was really happy about a statement uh, made there might have been the first time I've ever seen him actually lock the hands on the pedigree but you know we um, didn't think we'd see the pedigree again but I was honestly thought he was gonna go with a different finisher because he's always looking for a new finisher and I'm never quite sure what he's gonna do I loved the curb stomp personally but they can't have that on PG television but anymore. that's too violent Jameson right that's right. way that's too way violent. too violent yeah like people can go through tables, but we can't have a guy getting stomped on and on a mat in the middle of the ring. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. So, all right. So coming up next, uh, we have Sheamus and Cesaro. They're in a best of seven series right now, and uh, same reaction. I rolled my eyes too. So they and ended with Sheamus being up three and zero. I actually enjoyed this match as much as I don't like seeing Cesaro lose. I love. Uh, Cesaro's selling as a wrestler. I am actually wearing a Cesaro and Kid shirt that I got at a live event last year. So, I was really hoping that this was going to be a sweep now that it's 3-0, but as Grant told me before, there was a live show in London and Cesaro went over, so it's 3-1. You but, might have been the only person in the world hoping for a Sheamus sweep here. Well, I just I, I, I can't stand to watch the same guys wrestle for seven weeks straight. I don't know if I'm in the minority there, but these guys can both wrestle... I've just had enough of them wrestling each other, and to think about we're going to watch it for the next month, I'm not a fan. I'm not no. a fan. Honestly, I'm in agreement with you. I was hoping for, even if it was a Sheamus sweep, because of the simple fact, it's not just seven weeks. These guys wrestled two weeks before that. That's true. Which so Cesaro won both. Exactly. 
So it was actually going to be nine weeks with Sheamus winning four of them straight in a row and then Cesaro winning the rest. But I know it's supposed to be a build-up for one of them getting a title match, but at this point you're going to get kind of worn out by one or the other guy, whoever wins this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm more okay with it because of the talent involved because I think those two have great chemistry. Like uh, back in 2014, they had one of my favorite matches of that year um, towards the latter part of the year, but... I'm get. I think I'm gonna be sick of it too. Uh, I'm glad Cesaro is not leaving because there were some rumors that he might leave WWE because he's unhappy with how he's being used. But that appears not to be true now because he got one up on him. So I'm happy to see. And they're also going to be ending it uh, at the next pay per view and not the Monday afterward, which is how it would have looked at, worked out otherwise, which would have been the most WWE thing in the world. So. <laughs> I just want to be clear. I love Sheamus and I love Cesaro facing each other just as much as seeing Zayn and, well, maybe not as much as seeing Zayn and Owens. But when you see Zayn and Owens every week, it will get tiring compared to this as well. It's just mm-hmm. just want to add, it's just so it doesn't seem like I'm hating everything going on here. <laughs> no, I totally understand. Like, this is sort of like when he announced a best of seven series, it was a lot for me to digest. And I like Cesaro a lot and I like Sheamus if he's used the right way. Um, I think. Uh, this is going to be quite a long series, and I might not be so excited to talk about it come week seven. But <laughs> for now, I'm still, I'm still at least optimistic about it. So, so coming up next, we have uh, Shining Stars versus Enzo and Cass. After an Enzo and Cass promo where he pretended to give birth, uh, and then handed it to some lady in the crowd. I didn't expect that. Enzo <laughs> giving birth in the middle of the ring, but hey, it's Big Cass and Enzo. I guess you'd never really know what you're going to get with them two. I don't like. I don't know what it is, man. But I love these two on promos. But I just haven't been into them lately. In like, ring? Or? No, just in promo work. Gotcha. Like just when they come out there and do their thing, they just rush through the whole sing along part this time. I'm not quite sure what it is. I think it's just maybe they're micromanaging the material too much, or maybe we're just seeing it too much too. Just being exposed to that every week and them having to do that act every single week. No matter what it is, is is if you get the same thing over and over and over again, no matter how good it is, you're gonna get sick of it kind of kind of like the new day in a way yeah we'll get to them in a minute that that broke me i think that just about killed me not a good segment no but anyway uh shining stars uh go over enzo and Cass. uh almost forgot to cheat but they did um and then uh they actually had a fun promo uh afterwards just on the dot com so uh, Shining Stars have no momentum right now, but... Is that is is that maybe their first win? How many wins do they have since they've come back as the Shining Stars? Well, they won against the jobbers they faced. Oh, um, okay. And, uh... <laughs> I really... That's I can't it. tell you. That's it, right there. <laughs> yeah. I know why they won this match. I mean, you think about... Even counting, since you were talking about the segments, uh, the Bullet Club, Club, the New Day... The New Day is so above the club that after that it might be Enzo and Cass, and then it's everyone else. I mean, a win from the Shining Stars over Enzo and Cass will elevate them because unlike SmackDown, Raw's tag team division is just so gapped between each other. So it just makes sense to put some of these teams over. That's true. they got to build somebody. Yeah, and that's a really good point you brought up because it seems like they're trying to build the club in a way that's almost going to make them a heelish version of the New Day, and that's completely not how you use them. Like, they have these do- them doing these comedy segments, and that's really, at least in this way, it's not what's working for anybody. I really have a theory on this one because you think about what Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson doing there, the old fart home, their doctors. I feel like Vince McMahon was hearing what Gallows was in Japan. It was like, ah. Oh, 
He's Doc Gallows? Well, let's, let's make him a doctor. Yeah. And we'll have him talk about Biggie's testicles. Fantastic. It's not... It's just them going crazy with something stupid in their head. I mean, this is the same guy that thought Natalia Farting was going to get over, so... Mm-hmm. If Vince gets something in his head, it's uh, it's hard to make it leave his head. Let's just yeah. say that. It will be on television, regardless of whether or not it's a anything approaching a good idea. Which is unfortunate, because I actually like these guys. You know, just don't... Don't throw them under this bus. Like the old day segment was just so terrible. Let's just get it into that now. For so long. It, it, are you guys? Have you watched Gallows and Anderson in Japan at all? I haven't watched a lot of their stuff in Japan. No, only a little bit. I haven't seen too much of them. The Bullet Club is the. I'm gonna say it. The most badass club in the world. They dominate Ring of Honor. They're dominating WWE technically. They're dominating New Japan. They were everything about professional wrestling. They showed up, punched in the mouth, they walked out. AJ's still doing great things on SmackDown. Finn Balor's the original Universal Champion and second longest running Universal Champion. (laughs) And the club has become, as you said, heel New Day. And it's hurting them so much because they were badasses. They were tough, awesome guys. And now they're hanging out with three wrestlers dressed up as old day. And it's not like that, like when the AJ Styles Roman Reigns program was going on, we got a lot of good wrestling out of it, and you used the club and you introduced them in a way that made sense. So the thought was you could elevate them from there, not bring them to this. So it's not like they have never known what to do with them. It's just like they don't know how to get anyone up to where the New Day is currently. It's strange. It's like not every tag team has to be American Alpha or the New Day. Well, in oh, a great way to look at it, it's not because they don't know how to do it. It's because they're trying to do it. The New Day didn't get over. They didn't become the most sold product in wrestling, cereal, t-shirts, action figures because WWE thought of something. You listen to when they've done right along, the table for three, what have you. They started doing what they wanted to do. And that's and how they act around each other. Exactly. That natural items. You want these people to have, A, their own vision for their own characters and B, really act like themselves. If they are doing anything else, it will come off super phony and super awkward. That's why things like Adam Rose doesn't get over it. It's why things like this current Bullet Club situation doesn't get over. It's the reason why Fandango doesn't really get over. His song does. Mm. So that was what hurting this. If it was that New Japan, Anderson and Gallows, how they kind of act all their lives and how they develop their characters, it probably would work right now. Because it would be power of positivity versus power to fist your face definitely like that would be a really good like new day hasn't they haven't really had any good rivals because now they don't take any of them seriously and that really it's it's just such a weird dynamic to me like it's just like you're watching this and like why like why do i want to see a tag match between these guys we've already seen a bunch of them we've already seen anderson and gallows lose almost every single time it's just it's just sort of confounding you know I would have to imagine that uh, New Day is going to lose the titles pretty quick. I don't know if it's at Clash of Champions, but I can't see them being champions for much longer. I want to pose a question to you guys. I know this is your show, but... No, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly look at it that New Day is the second longest reigning tag team in history for the WWE. Do you want them to break the demolition record? Be the longest running tag team and hold it till December 17th? That would be a long couple months for me if we get stuff like this. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I Would I want it to happen? No, probably not. I mean, the New Day has deserved what they have. They've done great in the last year. 
But for them to for New Day to be in the record books as the longest reigning tag team champs, I I don't think so. Now see if we got New Day from around TLC from around December, we got those guys who just sort of trolled the audience and they were fun and different, but they were also heels and they were also just, they did unscrupulous things. Like it, like you can see, like I just talked about that creative agency they had. But you see the rug slowly get pulled out from under them. Like they just have to pander now. And it's really not their style as much as it should be. Like now it went from they do a little bit of dancing fun stuff to now that's all they do. So I don't I don't really know if, if I can handle that. But if they have literally no one else, then I guess I think it's going to happen. So we'll just have to see. What do you think? I honestly want them to break the demolition record. That record stood for, I want to say it's 1988, so nearly 20 years. Wrestling knowledge, geez. And you think of what New Day has done. Not only have they revitalized A themselves with a gimmick that was dead on arrival, mm-hmm. but B, revitalized a tag team division that the Usos couldn't do, that DX couldn't do, that the Hart Dynasty couldn't do. They are the foundation of that division. Let them break the record. Honestly, it's definitely something they deserve, in my opinion. I mean, they're... When was the last time you bought a wrestling cereal? CM Punk can't get ice cream, but these guys get booty ups. <laughs> right. CM Punk can't get his ice cream bars. That's a travesty. But uh, yeah, they they have they have been they have gotten over. But for that segment on Monday, it lasted about ten minutes too long. Yeah, and that, I don't think they'll do anything like that again anytime soon. Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping not. I mean, it's not just like I don't want to see them ever. It's just I don't I want to see the version of the, you know I'm a fussy wrestling fan. I just want to see the version of them that I like. You know, but uh, you know, if they if they're gonna break that record, then hey, I'm all for it. They definitely put in the work. They've definitely entertained me for a long, long time. So definitely. So all right. So coming up next, we have Braun Strowman uh, going over Sin Cara. Sin Cara was out there. He talked about some retribution uh, because, as you remember, Braun Strowman last week uh, unmasked a wrestler. Uh, ultimate show of disrespect. So Sin Cara tries futilely to avenge him. And just gets crushed. So, I guess they're moving him up a little bit from squashing jobbers. Very kind, little bit. Kind of, I guess. Next week's probably going to be Jinder Mahal. Dude, have you been in on those meetings? You've been listening to those production meetings? How do you, how <laughs> I, I do haven't, you know but that? I can just... Uh, no. Just going up the ladder of <laughs> Sin Cara, Jinder Mahal, who knows who's next. He's going to squash both the Shining Stars next. <laughs> both of them are just going to get crushed, and then it's going to yeah keep going. But... Anyway, um, I'm starting to like Braun Strowman more. I sort of like these little intermission squash matches that they're doing towards the middle end of the show. So, hey, we'll hope they keep that up. So, main event was really, really good this week. Uh, we had Owens beating Zayn. Zayn still selling his ankle injury. Um, and then that match ended. Uh, Powerbomb in the middle of the ring. Foley set up Reigns and Owens next week because Reigns walked the ring really threateningly and then he got a title opportunity because that's just the way that the show is. Uh, and Owens was probably almost as upset as I was about that. If 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 you're big cast, why don't you just walk out there and it's like get in Owens' face and Mick will just hand you a title shot? I mean, yeah, that's what Roman Reigns did. I mean, those four guys really did technically walk out there to get put into that fatal four-way. Like, it wasn't like they were suddenly selected because they were the best guys on the roster. They just happened to walk out of the curtain at that time. Yeah, Roman just walks out, gets a title shot, and gets to leave. I mean, if you're anybody in the back room, I I might as well walk out there. He'll give me a title shot. I mean, Yeah. It's like a little bit of continuity, please, would be good. I mean, I know he technically got, quote-unquote, screwed by Triple H, but that's Rollins' thing, and we're not 
nearly interested in seeing that story done twice with someone we don't like as much. So now, Sean, what are your thoughts on Roman Reigns? I'm curious about this. Next topic. (laughs) (laughs) I think he feels the same way I do. Yeah, probably same. (laughs) Definitely. So uh, if he wins a match next week against Owens, he gets inserted in the title match and it becomes a triple threat between Owens, Rollins and Reigns, which I imagine is probably going to happen. Uh, They teased it with, um, with the last uh, title match, with the last uh, round of pay-per-views that they were going to do, and they didn't end up doing it, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know, know where Roman Reigns goes. Rusev wasn't on the show this week. I don't think they're going to fight again, so. They need to. I mean, he beat the crud out of him at SummerSlam, and I guess Rusev is supposed to be on his honeymoon or whatever with Lana, <laughs> lucky son of a gun. And you got to build up that feud a little bit more because who else is going to Rusev? Who else is Rusev going to fight? And really, Aren't you guys kind of sick of triple threat matches for a title, fatal four ways for a title? We've had a lot of them lately, yeah. You don't see Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield (laughs) fighting for a belt. Why are we seeing that constantly in wrestling? That's a very good point. I mean, you know, it's like, apparently, like, that's the only way they know how to make it interesting. It's like, no, if you just gave us better context, we would be hugely interested in these two wrestlers fighting it out. Sometimes that's all it takes, but uh, I'm honestly hoping they don't go through that. Owens needs to pin Reigns because it's the champion cannot lose credibility two weeks after he won the title, but I don't make those kinds of decisions. So, Before we move on to SmackDown, yes. i got to talk about my girl Sasha Banks, the boss. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got to talk about this. Um, the segment that she had, I, I love Sasha. I feel like her mic work isn't as strong as it needs to be, but she gives a speech like she's going to retire or she's going to have to leave the company because of a back issue, and the speech went on pretty long longer than it needed to and then Dana Brooke comes out takes her down and then she says she's gonna fight Charlotte for the women's championship I thought the segment why not just start with maybe saying that I'm gonna I want to beat Charlotte I want that belt back instead of the whole farewell thing this was stressful man to watch I was convinced we were gonna get an edge situation where she just retired out of the blue Um, but you know who's pissed about this Daniel Bryan, on the SmackDown After Show, he said, "No, I don't really like the way that they did that segment because it's not funny when, or it's not funny or not dramatic the way it should be when a wrestler looks like they're going to have to retire because of injuries." Because we've seen too much of that for real. Exactly, I like think. you said, it was stressful to watch. It's like, please either make this end or say something that's going to make us feel good, which she end up doing. But still, yeah, it, I'm, I'm glad uh, Daniel Bryan agrees with me. Yeah. I'm going to give some credit to Sasha, what she said, because outside of Dana Brooke pulling all of the air out of the room like she always does, it was a great segment because we haven't really had a statement that just really looked back at all the work women's wrestling has done. Uh, one of the women that do the podcast with me, Laura Phoenix, she loves what we're seeing from the Night After Mania women's wrestling chant. What Sasha Banks cut with that promo about we were the era of Fabulous Moolah, Luna Vachon, Mae Young, to Lita, Trish Stratus, and now we're superstars instead of divas. It was emotional and powerful, but it took up a lot because Dana Brooks showing up and the fact that it was a fake retirement Everything else was just a beautiful statement. Is she the world's greatest talker? No. What was she said was truth? Yes. And like I said earlier, truth is what people want to hear. That's exactly right. And she's got a lot of time to get better on the mic. I mean, she she hasn't been there for that long. So she will only get better. 
Right. And I, I think she's a really great character actor when she's not being asked to stand in the middle of the ring for 10 minutes and talk about what she's going to do. I mean, this speech was, I loved the part where she brought up women's wrestling history, but for me, it was just overshadowed by that fake out retirement angle business. But I think she's great. She's one of the best characters that they have. I think she's, she understands how to play her character walking in the ring, fighting, doing whatever. But I just think, um, I don't think the mic work is going to slow her down though. Uh, which is great because we need more Sasha Banks on Raw than we've been getting. So um, definitely, I'm happy to have her back. I was pretty scared, honestly. I was scared we might get a few months or however long without her. So I'm glad that she's back in the title picture, honestly. Because yeah, there's there was been nothing else for Charlotte to do. There's been too many injuries of late anyways. Yeah, definitely. All right, so... You want to move on to SmackDown? Let's go through SmackDown. All right, so SmackDown started with Daniel Bryan in the ring uh, with the SmackDown Women's Championship, and uh, they did the promo train where they all kind of came out and started talking over each other. Started with Becky, then Natalia, then Carmella, then Alexa Bliss, and finally Naomi and Nikki Bella, who came to Becky's defense when it was going to get violent. Uh, Becky did a great job here. She was great on the mic. She brings that fired-up passion whenever she cuts a promo or whenever she does a match. She was good. I just... Could not stand the way that this segment was put together. I don't think it did anybody a lot of favors. First of all, it's always interesting to me when people are entering the ring without music. They're just running out there. So we don't we don't see them as viewers on TV until they just step in the ring. I don't know. That's that's I mean, they have music. Just play it for five seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I'm really excited for this the six pack women's uh, match, but I'm. I don't really like the way they've been setting it up because it's very, very clear how thin the roster is right now. And Eva Marie is suspended. Not, I mean, not that Eva Marie was <laughs> going to take place in this match or anything, but... She brought so much thickness to the women's roster right. as it was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we had one person there to take all the heat in the world, and they were using her perfectly by not letting her wrestle at all and yes. just faking everyone out every week. So that was good, but I just wish there were more women's wrestlers on SmackDown. And there it are. wasn't just these. Well, that they are on television anyway. There are. Yeah. Think about what Raw has. Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte. And then you look at what SmackDown has. Nikki. Bliss, Carmella, Bliss, Natty. Carmella, Natty, Becky, and uh, Naomi. My girl mm-hmm. Naomi. They technically have more of a stacked roster compared to what Raw has. And that's similar to the tag team division. Once again, the gap between Becky and Naomi is a lot smaller than the gap between, we'll use Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox. Mm-hmm. So they are, I will believe that Naomi will win the championship this Sunday more than Alicia Fox is going to win it at Clash of Champions. Granted, mm-hmm. Alicia Fox is in the match, but you get what I'm saying. I'm, exci- right, right. I'm excited for this uh, six-pack challenge, as they like to call it. I-, I love Natty as a heel, by the way. I think she's great. Her mic work has been awesome. Um... I think this is going to be a fun match. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I like what you said there. That's a good point. Like, there's a lot of believability that it could go to anyone. Now, naturally, I think Becky would best be able to serve that championship role right now as a face. We'll get to predictions um, in a second. I think I'm yeah, going to surprise yeah. people, too. Yeah, we got to uh, talk about that. We got to talk about backlash predictions. That's coming up this Sunday. Another pay-per-view. I actually wasn't expecting it. And you reminded me of it last week. I was like, oh, yeah, we have another one. They come one. up quick now. Yeah, SummerSlam was like five days ago, and that <laughs> just tired me out. So, All right, so coming up next, uh, we have Miz versus Apollo Crews um, with Dolph Ziggler on commentary. Are you sure it's not Apollo Creed? <laughs> <laughs> well, Nobody I mean, knows. We should do a survey of like the front office and see who, <laughs> I knows think, who what his name is exactly. I think Vince 
wanted it. Oh, that, that guy looks like Apollo Creed. Let's let's name him Apollo Cruz. You, you can put a little more Vincent. <laughs> I, I don't have a good Vincent presence, so I'm <laughs> not going to attempt it. Name no, <laughs> but uh, and interesting before that match, uh, Daniel Bryan and The Miz were on TV together, which people said last week that they're just going to stay stay away from each other for a while. But they were in the same segment together. The Miz buried him, crushed him. He did really good segment actually. But anyway. <laughs> But so Ziggler's on commentary. Ziggler gets involved. Uh, Miz wins, uh, and then Ziggler plays keep away with his title, and Maurice has to come into the ring and retrieve it uh, to set up for their IC title match. So Ziggler is normally very good on commentary. I actually like him. He and um, who have has been in that terrible Titus O'Neil. <laughs> I forgot who it was. Titus O'Neil is actually good on commentary too, and so is Ziggler. He was on commentary but, this week as well. And he was, yeah. And Ziggler just—they did like an interview with him on commentary, like they did nothing to support the match that they were having. Uh, now, okay, I have a question. Have you ever done anything like that where you have a wrestlers active in a feud on commentary? Yeah, they've had to join me a few times. Uh, MWO because we were working f- looking for a color commentator. We had just wrestlers joining me and just do a show the entire time with me. And typically, they were just trying to act like whoever their character is. Just like, oh, I respect Bam Grizzly because he's a great guy. Or Jason the Klaus, he would just talk about, who is this guy? I don't care. What what do I care about this match? This guy sucks. All that kind of stuff. Obviously, more Jason Klaus-like. And it's a little strange, especially if you do have somebody join you. Because, as I was saying with Tommy and I, the fact you have to gel with these people sometimes. Granted, I imagine these guys should be able to gel with them easier than me and some random fella sometimes. But also, uh, you kind of said it right there. They were kind of making more into like an interview, like trying to build up the Ziggler-Miz thing. At the end of the day, it's not Ziggler and Miz fighting right now. It's Apollo and Miz, and then Ziggler scouting his opponent. Gotcha. So they don't want to take away from the match that's happening in the present. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely, like, they definitely took some focus off of it, especially just when you're watching it on television and you sort of just want him to pay attention to Apollo Crews because no one is paying attention to him. He's a hugely talented guy, and he definitely, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm glad he was on television this week. I'm glad we're still seeing a lot of him, but they really need to give him a direction. But I'm also glad they didn't have Miz lose a title match to build up to a title match, or a non-title match to build up to a title match, because that is just the worst trope that they have, so... But anyway, um, that should be good. So the segment from earlier in the show set up the uh, six-woman tag between Natalia, Alexa Bliss, and Carmella versus Becky Lynch, Naomi, and Nikki Bella. And it ended up Carmella made Nikki Bella tap to the code of silence, continuing on in their feud. It's a sweet move by Carmella. You like Uh, that? Yeah, I like it a lot. I was surprised that they had Nikki tap out in the middle of the ring. I I was pretty surprised to see that. On Tuesday, she just came back. She's got a lot of heat. Fans like her, and Carmella's annihilated her the last three weeks, like blindsided her, and now she beats her in the ring. Carmella's got the one up on her for sure. Yeah, and it and it wasn't a you know it left some room for doubt. And this is a I, I like the way that they set up this tag. I mean, not the way they set it up, but the actual function of it, where you have women with various feuds in a match that furthers those <laughs> feuds. It's not just what we got when they started the quote-unquote women's revolution and just had six-woman tags for the purpose of six-woman tags or nine-woman tags or whoever versus whoever, and there's no real direction to it. I've never been a fan of six-man tags or six-woman tags. I feel like they don't always progress the show. The Shield made me believe 
in well, the shield was, tags, but that's that's an exception. That's a different story. So, <laughs> so um, all right, coming up next, we have a, my favorite segment. I think of the week, uh, we have American Alpha uh, um, beating the Usos in about a minute, crushed them. Grand amplitude. I actually timed this match. How Grant, long was it? Twenty-seven seconds. It was twenty-seven seconds. Twenty-seven no seconds. Oh my goodness, that is awesome. And what happens after the match is even better. Uh, the Usos turn heel and injure Chad Gable. Um, they did a write-up of it online. I believe they called it an MCL sprain, just a storyline injury, so they won't be able to compete at Backlash. American Alpha won't. Um, and then gave the Usos some direction and then followed up with the uh, segment on Talking Smack after that where they interrupted Renee and uh, talked a little bit about the fans turning on them when they sided with Roman Reigns. So... I'm glad to see them have direction. They've been around for a while, so... Long time, yeah. How is it that yeah. Roman still face when the crowd turns on him, but the Usos will change? That's what I'm saying. Why uh, didn't the Usos change back when they were with Roman Reigns, when Roman Reigns should have been changing? He, sh- he should have turned heel then as, as well as the Usos. Roman Reigns gets booed every time he's out there. Mm-hmm. The Usos got booed when they were with Roman Reigns. That's the time to turn heel. They're just, they won't do it. I mean, well, as long as there is a reaction, according to Vince McMahon, then or JBL, whoever he's got saying it now, then Roman Reigns is apparently the guy. But he's not the guy anymore. And now he's like, they should just turn him heel already because they're not. He's not the big baby face, or he's not the champion. They're not going to put him, at least not yet. But they're also not going to turn him heel either. So he's had this weird middle ground where they he's in the upper level of the card certainly, but they don't have a ton of direction for him character wise it's sort of strange to me not he'll, he'll watch sure. he'll probably he'll probably go over at clash of champions somehow and roman reigns will be the champion he's gonna again. spare both of them at once and then just yeah and jericho's gonna come in and try to cheat and he's gonna pin him too he's gonna pin all three of them or however they'll do that so anyway um coming up next uh fandango dances um they, we get someone who was cl- clearly a plant in the ring with him, and then Kane just gets sick of the whole segment and choke slams him. When I always see Fandango, I just roll my eyes and, <laughs> and think, how long is this going to last? I did think it was a funny segment. I thought the bringing the fan in, dancing was, was pretty funny. And then my favorite wrestler on the roster, Kane comes out and choke slams him. And Kane got a pretty good pop in Nebraska because he's the big red machine. And because everyone was sick of that segment, too. That's true. Everyone's just tired of what was going on. But I liked it. I like what they're doing with Kane right now. Yeah, just, uh, your thoughts? So, why? (laughs) Is Kane going to start feuding with Fandango? No, no, he's not. But, I mean, I I guess they don't have anybody to have matchups for him with, so he just comes out and chokeslams people that are being annoying, which is Fandango. Well, SmackDown's kind of a very weak roster as it is, so I guess they're trying to make Kane look relevant, so is he going to be the guy to face the next uh, Styles or Ambrose then? Like, It's a good I'm, question. I mean, you're a Kane guy. Would you feel good about him getting another title run or another title shot? I do say I'm a Kane guy. Him having a title run, though, I don't know if that is the uh, right place for him to go at the moment, but anytime Kane's out there, the music hits, he's got the mask, I'm just, I'm a big Kane mark, but him in the title picture, probably not. But I wouldn't be mad about it. I might be. <laughs> I think a lot of people would be. I don't know if I be. can handle that. I mean, 2016 Kane in the title picture. But I do. I know what you're saying, though. I am a huge fan of his. But hey, we had 2016 Triple H holding the title. So that's, that's true. true. Winning the Royal Rumble at the main event of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have 2020 Triple H in the title <laughs> picture as well. 
<laughs> he's, he's just he's just gonna roll up to the ring and do it again. But anyway, that's you know I'm actually wondering when he's gonna be on television again to further the angle that he started. I was surprised he wasn't on television this week. I mean, yeah. he was the main part of the show last week on Raw, and he didn't show up. But I mean, normally he's got to open Raw and spend about a half hour yeah. explaining to you what he's doing. That's what we but expected. I'm honestly glad they didn't go with it because it made it a little bit more unpredictable. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, this might have been my favorite match on SmackDown coming up. We have Heath Slater and Rhino going over the hype bros. Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder, both of whom I like. And they advance to the finals. Heath Slater and Rhino. Yeah. Let, what a team. Let's what go. What a fun little team they got going. And now that American Alpha is out of the picture, I mean, this is theirs to lose. Yeah. Like, I love the the storyline investment they've got going with Heath. Like, they're sort of making fun of him, but... He had his seven kids even, in the crowd? Yeah. They actually did a little uh, short with him. Uh, they did, like, where he brought them all into the ring and stuff like that. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Like, you just can't kill his momentum no matter how badly you treat the character. So, I... Heath Slayer's been around for a while. And I'm glad they're finally sort of doing something with him. Maybe, I don't know if it's going to last or anything, but certainly entertaining performer. So I'm big Heath Slater fan, whether it was the Nexus, whether it was the first season of NXT, the Cord, everything he did with Justin Gabriel in general, I should 3MB. say. 3MB. 3MB. Yeah. <laughs> Social Outcast. I mean, the guy is amazingly talented, but just because he's got a lisp or whatever, you think back when he faced off with Brock Lesnar. It wasn't just because Brock Lesnar said something I can't say on this show. It's because Heath Slater is really good on the microphone. It's just that it wasn't until the uh, Superstar of the Year, when there was actually the polling, he took eighth place among who is the greatest superstar in WWE. That's when they thought, well, you may as well try something. Social Outcast, now this. They're noticing they might have some with Heath that they never knew before. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're starting to recognize that talent potential, too. It's like... Cause I love uh, I love the guy in the ring. I love his dynamic with Rhino. That's perfect. That's exactly what it needs to be. Rhino should be carrying that team in the ring. So that's great. Usually they realize something and then fire the guy. Sandow, Shelton, Carlito, MVP, Kennedy. You get my point. Or they just yep. treat him bad enough to make him leave, like Barrett or whoever. Or Ryback, prob- Rhodes. Probably yep. Page and Del Rio's gone now. Yeah. Um, that was a wet blanket of a return right there. Why hasn't Zach, since we're talking about the match? Why hasn't Zach Ryder quit? Yeah, I'm surprised. Hey, he's been around a lot. Well, well, that uh, that Intercontinental Championship win at WrestleMania, I think, is going to keep him there a few more years. Those 22 hours, man. Yep. Yeah. I was so it was unexpected, but I was into it just because it was unexpected. It was a great little moment that they did. I think everybody enjoyed that. That yeah. was that was one for uh, everyone there. That was a pleasant surprise. That was, was one of the highlights of this year's WrestleMania, definitely. So. All right, and we end the show with an Ambrose-AJ Styles segment that I actually really liked. Um, I think Ambrose is closer to who he needs to be. He's that vicious sort of John Moxley heel, but he's also really, really good at talking. And when they're not making him do wacky comedy, he can convincingly be threatening. So We don't give away trophies to the face that comes in second place. I love that line, actually. Great line from Ambrose. He had a few great lines in this segment. It was good. Sometimes, like at the beginning of the segment, I didn't think that Ambrose doesn't always show enough anger towards his opponent who's looking him in the face. But as he started talking and kept talking, he became more fierce and uh, had some good Mm one-liners for sure. Yeah, I actually didn't like normally I'm sort of like just Ambrose is really good. I think he's really good despite the material they gave him. I think they gave both he and AJ some good material right here. 
Like they acknowledge AJ's win over Cena, which they should bring up every single Raw because it is that important that they put him over Cena clean because that never happens. It's true. But I definitely think they have a lot of momentum going into Backlash. That'll be an awesome match to watch. We'll we'll predict that in a second here. I, my favorite chant, I think, in wrestling right now is Soccer Mom. Soccer? Were they chanting Soccer Mom? Yeah, because oh. uh, Ambrose made fun of his hairdo, which looks like a Soccer Mom's hairdo. And so the whole crowd just starts chanting soccer mom. So like back in TNA and everything, he had his hair cut down really short and everything. And it was like, all right, that's, that's totally cool. Like, and it, and then he just came back with the, at the Royal Rumble with the sort of do over. And I wasn't quite sure what to make of it, but Hey, I love AJ Styles. So I'm happy to see him in this role. So what do you think of the WWE world title match at backlash between Ambrose and Styles? What are your thoughts on that? It's going to be a clash of styles. Uh, hey. <laughs> Whoa. But these two guys have never really faced off. Ambrose is a former CZW champion. He's always been more of a brawler. AJ, been in Ring of Honor, New Japan, been in TNA. I feel like what we're going to see out of this match is something we probably haven't really seen out of Styles in a long time because of the fact that Ambrose is more of a brawling wrestler and Styles can do that. We've seen him do that with Nakamura, for example, at Wrestle Kingdom this year. So I'm excited and curious about this. These are both awesome names, guys that I've been fans of for years. Uh, at the same time, I don't know exactly what to expect from this match. I expect it to be great, but I don't know what will happen, though. Mm-hmm. We're getting into predictions right now, Grant, you think? Let, let's do it. Let's All do right, it. we can let's start with that match. Predictions. Yeah, let's start. Uh, WWE Championship match, Ambrose versus Styles. Uh, before this week, I would have wanted Styles to take it because he clearly has more momentum, and I Dean Ambrose really wasn't. He was sort of too lackadaisical as champion. I wasn't really into what he was doing, but he showed some real intensity here, and I really enjoy what he's doing. He sort of reminded me why I was so behind him and why everyone was so ready for him to take the title off of Triple H at WrestleMania early, earlier this year uh, because he's great when he's put in the right role like that, and he's just a great wrestler, but... I honestly am hoping Styles wins this because they need to strap a rocket to him and put him on the moon. Um, they just continue his momentum. Don't have him stop because of some cheating or some DQ or something. I think they should just give him the title at this point. I don't really see why they shouldn't. So your prediction, I'm locking these predictions in, Grant. You're, uh, you're locking them in. All right. You're going to hold me accountable I'm a, yes. next week. You, you, you can't pick both wrestlers. <sighs> like, see, like, There's two predictions I want to make. There's one that I think will happen and one that I really, really want to happen. But I honestly think that they're going to give it to Styles, and I want them to give it to Styles. So That's my prediction that. as well. I think uh, AJ Styles is going to go over. Dean Ambrose has held the title for a little while now, and AJ Styles walks around. He says he's the face that runs the place. He's great in ring. I think it's time that AJ Styles is the WWE World Champion. WWE World Champion AJ Styles. That has such a ring to it. And you wouldn't have call, I wouldn't have called that a couple of years ago, You know, being anywhere near the WWE. You wouldn't even call him being in the WWE, yeah. yeah. And you think about the fact that this is what this could mean for really the wrestling world. Yes, guys like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, former Ring of Honor champions holding the belt. But this is a former TNA champion, a former Japan champion, a new Japan champion, and now possibly a WWE champion. AJ Styles winning this could cement his legacy as being one of the greatest of all times. Up there with... I'll say the Roddy Pipers, the Edges, the Randy Orton, maybe not the Hogan era, but just like a cusp underneath if he's able to accomplish that. This this is going to be the biggest moment for his entire career for WWE and in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not like there was any warming up period or feeling out period with him adapting to WWE. He showed up and immediately started having some of the best matches on every card he was part of. 
And here's the best part. He just got off a back injury before that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just He just had, like, he had this nagging injury and then just goes on and gets a month and a half of watchable television out of Roman Reigns. Like, <laughs> yeah, he made Roman dude, Reigns look good. Who yeah, does that? Dude, like, that's, that's such a huge feat. Like, I'm so excited for him. But anyway, coming up next, um, or I don't know, next technically dude. in our list. I see title match, uh, The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. Um, Jameson, your prediction. I'm going to go with The Miz. I think he's got the most heat he's had in a while right now, with kind of with the Daniel Bryan thing. You know, Ziggler hasn't got a lot of big wins lately, and I don't think this is his time to go over again. I don't know what it is about Dolph, but I got the Miz. I think they're going to keep the title on him. He's uh, he's calling it the, the most important title on the show, and um, I think Miz takes down Dolph Ziggler. It would shock me if he didn't, honestly, because Ziggler has so little momentum right now. He just does, gets out there and talks about how hard he works every week, and it's good and everything, but you're not going to do anything with him. It just makes him seem lame. Uh, and as much as I like Dolph Ziggler, it's like one of these characters clearly has momentum. The other one clearly does not. So it's this one should be a layup, but it should be a good match because uh, Ziggler knows how to bring the in-ring work, and then Miz is great on the mic and the character work. So I think they complement each other very well. I'm going to go with the Miz as well. The guy is lightning in a bottle right now, and they need to really pounce on that. If they decide to give it to Dolph Ziggler, you are ruining A, that title, and B, the Miz. Focus on what the Miz can do right now, because really, the fact that he is the longest reigning singles champion in WWE kind of speaks volumes. And everything he said on Talking Smack was true. The Miz is amazing right now, and I'm super excited to see him back doing what he can do best. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's so great to have him in that role. And please do not take him out of it because I am loving him. So, all right, and then we have six pack challenge for the women's championship. Um, this honestly could believably go to anyone. Uh, do you guys have, like, who would be your first pick for this one to win, would you say? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Carmella wins really? the women's champion. That's, I mean, I really like Carmella, what she's doing right now. She's uh, She looks great. And, I, I mean, a lot of people are probably going to think Nikki Bella is going to go over just because it's Nikki Bella. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Carmella. She's, she's dominated the last month, so I think she dominates again on Sunday. Wow, it's a bold prediction. It is. I mean, she, you know, she's been showing up and uh, is in an interesting program with Nikki Bella right now. Uh, my prediction's got to be um, Becky Lynch at this point um, because I think uh, she's one of the few, three of the four horsewomen who came up from NXT who hasn't won a title yet, and I think she has the sort of um, the personality and the wrestling potential and the ability to really carry that title. So I really think it would fit her best right now but if they wanted to give it to one of the newer women's wrestlers that would also be exciting so they can really go anywhere with it at this point I don't think Carmella because she's the one who got the victory and Carmella's got the same problem as Alexa Bliss she just showed up and I don't know if they trust her Naomi I love her to death but she's probably the one with the least amount of momentum Nikki Bella just got back so if she wins it it really makes the rest of the women's division look bad just because she just got back from injury so for me I'm going to go with Natalia. That woman like has worked her tail off for I don't know how long in that company. I want to say next to Alicia Fox, she's got to be the one that's been there the longest. And she's had the title once, and that was the butterfly belt. Mm-hmm. She's become the cornerstone of the women's division since the Divas Revolution with Sasha Banks, with Paige, with Charlotte, with uh, Sasha Banks. Be- yeah. And 
really, this woman deserves more respect. She deserves something like this. And I'd be disappointed if she doesn't win. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't win because every woman has a chance to win this because they're all so talented. But I'm really hoping Natalia is the one that takes it. I would be happy with Natalia. I think, like I said earlier, her, she's great as a heel. She's been awesome on mic in the last month. I'd be happy with that. Mm-hmm. And she's been one of the consistently better wrestlers, uh, women's wrestlers on WWE for some time now. Like, Almost like you probably said, a like, decade. She's been doing great work in the ring. Yeah, like she can always be relied upon to make some great matches happen. So I'd totally be into that. So as long as it doesn't go to, do I dare say her name, Ava Murray or something. But that oh, physically cannot happen now. They've removed that possibility. So I'm I'm not terrified going into this one. So, all right, and then we got tag team action. We have two tag team matches coming up. We have the Usos versus Hype Bros, uh, and then the winner of that will face Slater and Rhino for the SmackDown tag team titles. So, who you guys got your money on? I'm going to go with the Usos. Do we start this one up? Because are you really going to say your first ever SmackDown champions are Heath Slater and Rhino <laughs> versus the Hype Bros who've been tag teaming for a year and the Usos? who are probably your most legitimate tag team on SmackDown. They also seem to be the most obvious pick from these because Slater and Ronald seem too obvious to win. The ones you expect are usually the ones that aren't there, so I'm going to go with the Usos. You just made a really good point there. I had I had my pick in my mind, but hearing Heath Slater and Rhino as the first SmackDown tag team champions doesn't really ring in the record books. But I think the, the Usos beat the Hype Bros, and I think that Slater... It's just, he's he's too hot right now. I feel like he's going to get that contract. He's got to win the match to get his contract on SmackDown, which he's already been on the roster for the last month, so he pretty much has a contract. Right. But uh, I'm going to go Slater-Rhino. Slater. Yep. See, I want to counter an argument. You're saying he's too hot right now. Yeah. Slater wins, then what? That is a good point. I, I don't think he's... Then, then I guess him and Rhino have a match with American Alpha when they get healthy. When, I'm really saying because once Slater wins... He loses all that momentum, though. There's big, nothing else left. Exactly. It's he a good point. He has his contract. He's now a tag team champion. and You're yeah. making good points here, Sean. Now I'm, now I'm regretting my decision because, exactly, he's he, they're probably going to keep the contract thing going as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll stick with it. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Grant? <laughs> all right. So, first of all, it's a layup. Usos over Hype Bros, obviously. They need to be in that final match uh, because they have a lot. It was It's the Usos, and Slater and Rhino have the most character momentum. We have the underdog story versus the guys who have been around forever, and they're pissed off that everyone's sick of them, and they can't stand it, and now they're bad guys. So that's great. Um, honestly, I'm going to go with Slater and Rhino. Um, wow. I have no idea if they're going to ruin it if they do it or where it will go if they do it, but I really just want to see them succeed because as fun as it is watching Heath Slater chase opportunities <laughs> forever, the amount of work he's been doing and the amount of good character work Rhino's been doing with him uh, I really just think that they should probably be the ones to win the titles. I mean, at this point, like, I'd totally be okay with it, but I can't really say how well that's going to hold up in the future, so. I can't wait to listen to next week's episode. I guess we're like, oh, the professional Sean Lathrop, <laughs> he was right. We should have listened to him. Well, me and Grant agreed on three of the four matches, so that makes for a, a great debate next week. But um, maybe Carmella will break through and I'll have one up on him. Yeah, keep your pal. <laughs> All right, so, and then we have Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Exactly. This is a toss-up. I feel like they can't have Randy Orton lose two matches in a row. He's one of the biggest names in the company. He just got just demolished by Brock Lesnar. 
But the thing is, is Bray Wyatt never really gets a whole lot of meaningful wins. When was the last time Bray Wyatt got a big win? Does Bray Wyatt need wins? I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's Bray Wyatt. I guess not. But I got to go with Randy Orton in this match. Man, I am going with Bray Wyatt um, just because I think I think Bray Wyatt needs some momentum right now because every single time they start to build him up, like he's never looks better than when they're about to bury him under somebody or knock him down and have him lose to whoever or have him and the Wyatt family beat the New Day and all of a sudden it doesn't mean anything because they're going to different shows now. Like I think they need to stop with the stop start of that momentum and sort of get him back on track because I'd love to see more of him. I'd love to see Orton's character progress almost like Cena's where he's now this the old guard and the question is whether or not he can still be at the top anymore. I think that would really raise that question further by having Bray go over in this match. So I hope they wrestle a good match. And It'll be a good one. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, and I do predict Bray going over. So I'm going to go with Randy Orton winning this. I'm expecting the sister Abigail into an RKO type situation. And really, you kind of said it, Bray never wins matches. Orton's not going to lose after just fighting Brock Lesnar. I mean, you take Brock Lesnar to the limit and then you lose to Bray Wyatt, that doesn't really work out. So it's probably going to be Randy Orton for me. I agree. I'm I'm sticking to my guns on Bray Wyatt, so it'll uh, be a good match. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to watch it. That's for sure. Yeah, so I mean that's more of what I want to happen. I think you guys might have a, some pretty good points on that, but you know uh, we'll find out. There's a reason I'm the professional. Yes, there's a reason <laughs> you're the professional. I'm gonna be sitting on the show next week in shame. It's like, oh my gosh, he was right about all his predictions. Hack. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so all right. So um, I think that just about does it. Um, Sean Lathrop, thank you for being with us tonight. If I may, some cheap plugs for IW and MWO. Plug away. Plug um, away. Michigan Wrestling Organization will be doing a show this weekend for the church for Championship Wrestling, a TV taping, the the Bridge Church in Flint, Michigan. Also, Imperial Wrestling Entertainment will be back in Harrison, Michigan for Campus Clash 3, the big show we do every year. Harrison, Michigan, that will be September 18th. And then finally, Trick or Slam, the big October show for Michigan Wrestling Organization. That will be October 20, make sure it's right, October 29th at the NTC Church in Flint. Definitely check out these shows and follow MWOnline.net for Michigan Wrestling Organization and follow Imperial Wrestling Entertainment at IWEGladiators.com. And again, thank you guys for being on, allowing me to be on your program. And it's been a pretty fun talking to you guys, and I hope the honor was all yours talking to me. Thanks for coming in, Sean. Thank you, man. Hey, appreciate we appreciate it. your time, man. All right, so until next week, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Later, Marks. Later, Marks.